Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Zach to the Future. I'm your co-host, Dashiell Driscoll, joined today like every other day that we do this with Mark Paul Gosler. Hello, Mark Paul. Hello, Dashiell. Today, Mark Paul, we're joined by a very special guest, author of a book all about Zach Moore specifically, Matt Pace. Hello, Matt Pace. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm going to start off with, what the fuck, Matt? What is this all about? What did you do here? What, I mean, tell us. You know, it just occurred to me, what if someone counted Zach Morris's lies? And once that idea popped into my head, I couldn't not do it. I've been a fan of the show for as long as I can remember. And obviously, everyone should know by now that Zach Morris was not always the greatest person. If they didn't, Dashiell made that very clear on his own. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, like, who inspired you to, to write such compelling literature? <laughs> Oh, also, we did not plug the name of your book. Uh, Matt, please, the title of your of your book. Thank you. The The book is called Zach Morris Lied 329 Times, Reassessing Every Ridiculous Episode of Saved by the Bell with Stats. Yeah, that's just good. That's just good literature right there. First of all, 329 times. Is that accurate? Based on one rewatch of every single episode, breaking it down as best as I could. There is a disclaimer in the preface of the book. It's possible. I absolutely invite people to go through the whole series, count the lies, and and find out something that I messed up. Of course it's possible. Mark Paul, does, does 329 seem high or low to you? It actually seemed pretty low to me. <laughs> Because I, I, I'm thinking like there's a way there's a were you also counting the the specials and the college years? Yes, that's that's from junior high through wedding in Las Vegas. Okay, so not including Miss Bliss. No, that includes Miss Bliss. Yeah, including Good Morning Miss Bliss. Uh huh. I, I I think we've made it very clear. I don't know how the whole school system works. So Miss Bliss, <laughs> junior high, high school. I don't know these things. Uh, okay, so junior high through the college years. Um, why, Matt? Why? Why did you? I mean, you're a fan of the show. I get it. But was this a was this like an assignment? Were you in detention? Like, what? How, why did you decide to write this book? Imagine if I said that someone was saying that only something could happen if I did this book. I don't know what that something could be that would justify this. But thankfully, it was only because I wanted to. It was, and and so much of the book was sort of discovering as I rewatched. There were things that I had planned to track with numbers throughout that I stopped because it didn't seem necessary. There were things I didn't think of tracking, uh, such as the the show's treatment of Jesse that I then started uh, tracking the stats for and just trying to, and I'm not, I don't like doing spreadsheets by any means. I'm, I'm not someone who does math on a daily basis by, at all either, but I wanted to see Again, Dashiell, Dashiell has illuminated so much about Zach Morris for us, but I was curious, would using numbers about the lies, about Zach's treatment of women, about the show's treatment of Jesse, would that teach us anything about Zach's relationships? Uh, and I think it did. The book itself, can the viewer follow along with your book in, in sequence, basically? So does it start like our podcast? We started with episode one of the high school years. Um, but as a viewer is watching the show, can they, can they in a linear fashion, follow the show to the book? Absolutely. That's, that's an awesome question. And yes, it's definitely meant to be a, a companion. So whether it's someone who knows the show really well and is going back to rewatch it, or even a first timer, you can absolutely watch an episode, go check out the book, 
uh, episode by episode. And I was lucky enough to speak with 22 cast members from the show, as well as uh, the co-founder of the Stay by the Max pop-up restaurant, as well as Dashiell himself. So uh, being able to thread the interviews throughout the book uh, in the episodes as appropriate and also and then also with the full interviews toward the back was definitely meant to illuminate the show even further, not just from where I was coming from, uh, but also trying to get that added perception of people who were actually involved in it. Wow. So you got Dashiell Driscoll to do an interview for your book. I mean, you were swinging really high <laughs> with, with the uh, requests for the people that you wanted uh, for this book. Because I don't remember getting an email uh, for, for my request. So I, I, I know that you were trying to go just below that bar. Um, well done. Thank Mark you. Paul, how, how long do you think it took me to uh, clear my schedule for that phone interview? Just ballpark it. <laughs> I, I don't even want to guess, Dashiell. I, it was, I don't even want to guess. Yeah, I'm not sure that watches uh, have that that low enough of a number of seconds to, to really measure. I told myself if I couldn't talk to Dashiell, I wasn't even going to do the book. So once once that happened, oh. I knew I could move forward. Well, it's good to have you on the show. Uh, and with that, Dashiell, why don't you take it away and, and uh, do your thing? Do the summary thing in case you, the listener, did not do the homework like these two wonderful guests today. Uh, Beauty and the Screech. Kelly won tickets to a George Michael concert, and Zach wants her to take him, but she won't be able to go unless she aces her science test. Zach has Screech tutor Kelly, and Kelly starts falling for Screech. Zach and Slater try to break Screech and Kelly up and fail, but it doesn't matter because after passing the test, Screech and Kelly realize they have nothing in common. Zach and Slater go to the George Michael concert together, and we're at the uh, in the halls of Bayside. Pause it right there, Dashiell. Right off the bat, I just want you guys to notice, what is Kelly doing at that phone? She's <laughs> she's randomly just pecking at the dial. Uh, I, I counted, she hit it about six times. We all know that that's not a real phone number, correct? Um, and then she kind of reaches in there. She she checks the the where the, where the quarter went, and it looks like she mimes putting a quarter back. In. The whole thing is a mess. Right off the top, I just got to throw it out there. That's a lie, right there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, she's doing too much phone acting. Too much, Mark. Right, Mark Paul. I was wondering if the reason you wanted to pause it right off the top was something that I did not even really process until just this last time watching it was the debate team tryouts in the back. See Mike Munson, also known as the Mouth. Huh. I did not see that even a little bit. That's a uh, that's art department just going nuts with with how much stuff they can throw back there. Matt, um, I, I I I'm I'm going to use this um, this session between you and 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 Dashiell as sort of like an audition. Um, I want you to to fight it out with Dashiell as much as you can throughout this whole thing. I want I want you to flex your muscle through this. I, I want you to give it to Dashiell. Uh, <laughs> usually it's 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 the um, our Twitter followers, right. um, all five of them, yeah. that will uh, point out things uh, uh, to Dashiell. But I, I want you to give it to Dashiell. I, I I want you to tell him when he's right, when he's wrong, um, and I want you to just do your thing as well. You know, I want you to point out the lies. Um, but mostly you know, my faults. That seems to be the, the agenda of the day, just to be clear. Mostly Dashiell's faults. Yeah, okay. I think I, I think I can make that happen. Okay, all right, good. Well, as long as we're all on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish today. Uh, and right off the bat also, look at that hair. I, I again, uh, I think that these were shot out of sequence. Uh, we, we've, we've sort of discussed that in the past. Um, in the previous episode, my hair looked like a ball of cotton candy. Um, and in this one, there's a little more shape to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not as spindly looking. Um, I think because this episode might've been shot before that previous episode, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. It looks more in control. If we're doing like, um, Matt, I know you started documenting things as you rewatch the series and so are we. And, uh, yeah, Zach's hair in this episode feels decidedly decisively more under control than it did, uh, last week. It's impressive. I gotta say a lot of product. Also, we have a twins alert uh, right here in the background. Uh, they are crossing in acid-washed denim behind this news that Kelly just won her George Michael tickets. And we learned they had to bring their own wardrobe, so that's, that's a very impressive thing they just had in their closet. My favorite background uh, artist in this episode is the guy with the longer rocker hair. The blonde guy. 
No, not the blonde guy. He's got, he's, it's a the brunette uh, dude. Hmm. Um, but he also, we'll get to him later on. I'll point him out, but he is one of the ones that uh, basically announces Screech and Kelly. Um, but he's got this really cool, like rocker eighties hair or maybe a nineties hair, hair band, uh, kind of look. But, uh, when, when we get to him again, I'll point him out, but he's, he's my, he's my favorite of the episode, uh, this time around. He's on the, um, he's on the payphone later. I know who you're talking yes. about. Yes. That guy. You know who I'm talking about. And yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, uh, in terms of Kelly winning the contest, I wonder why that no one else was participating. And I guess maybe this is, we know there are at least two payphones on the premises of the school, both in the hallways and at the max. But why wasn't someone else trying to call in and also be the 25th caller and say, Hey, if one of us gets it, then, then that way we're doubling our chances or have everyone call in. It seems like if Zach and Slater are such big George Michael fans too, Maybe they would have wanted to try. Do, do you think the rest of the gang knew about this contest? Clearly not. No, I don't. I don't think they were aware. As a, I mean, Kelly is a noted George Michael mega fan. She has a poster in her poster in her room, and uh, the girls use George Michael to coax her out of the bathroom or closet. We're unsure when she had a zit. Uh, so maybe she was just more aware than the rest of the gang. She is sort of the the audience for George Michael back in that day, right? I mean, a teenage girl that was that was the audience that he primarily had. Or am I reading that wrong? No, you're you're one hundred percent correct. I did some homework on the homework, and at the time in nineteen eighty nine, George Michael was touring in support of his Faith album, absolutely massive, and it was a tour that left him quote according to Wikipedia thinking there was something wrong in being an idol to millions of teenage girls. So, yeah, he was, George Michael at the time was going through some real conflict over fans like Kelly Kapowski. And we're in science class with Dr. Mertz. So tell us about Dr. Mertz. Uh, It's like you just already knew I had something about Dr. Mertz. Uh, I know you do. You just know, you just already know I have something about Dr. Mertz. He is played by Avery Schreiber. And Avery Schreiber was a legend of stage, film, and television. He started the comedy duo with Jack Burns called Burns and Schreiber. He was born in Chicago, came up through Second City, and widely known uh, for Doritos commercials in the 70s and 80s. It is funny how you can be in all kinds of things, but the commercials you do really stand the test of time, not dissimilar to the Micro Machines Man uh, from several episodes ago. You know what I thought was interesting while I was watching this, and I knew that you had something about uh, um, Dr. Metz, um, Avery Schreiber, but it's it's that we didn't have social media. We didn't have Google back then. So we were doing these these um, scenes with, with you know, fellow actors having no idea of their background. I mean, this is pretty impressive. I mean, I, 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 w- I would have liked to have known this, and I didn't uh, until, you know, watching this episode and... Um, doing a little search on, on Avery. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting, uh, you know, that this seasoned actor was, was on our show for this very small uh, part that I don't think he was utilized all that much. No, yeah, I would, I would definitely be in the camp of criminally underutilized. I had no idea about this guy until I, until I Googled him. I mean, he's a legitimate, like, comedy legend. Uh, and he's he's really like the the most they give him is like a funny noise he makes with his mouth one time. <laughs> that seems to be like the extent of his chops uh, that he flexes. Uh, but yeah, he's he's here. And also the uh, fun, a really fun little fact: the Avery Schreiber Playhouse is located in North Hollywood, just minutes away from where Saved by the Bell uh, is still being produced in the year two thousand twenty. So, Doctor Metz, uh, interesting. He's a doctor at our school. That's, uh, <laughs> That's an interesting uh, little tidbit there. But uh, so he passes out the test scores. I'm, I was curious if there were any other prizes that someone can get. You know, Screech uh, had his 37th A plus and got to wear the hat. Were there any other levels along that way when he hit the 20th consecutive A plus? What did he get to do? If 37th is wearing the hat, there must be like, is he built? What happens when you get 50 A pluses in a row? I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine you, how many tests can you even have in an academic year? You know, like how many? 30, 38, it seems. Yeah, that would be a test every single week, I would imagine, uh, minus vacation days. It's also that he's, he's sorry about Kelly's grade, but he's not that sorry about 
Zach's great. He just says, copy off someone smarter next time. Yeah, we get we get some knowledge here that Zach is uh, not a great student, which isn't even canon. Zach will later go on to miraculously ace the SATs. Uh, but we like learn Kelly really... Like he he does feel bad for Kelly. He feels bad for Kelly's F, but just indifferent towards Zach's failure. Anybody else feel that space shuttle jo- joke was uh, a little too soon? Uh, you know, the Challenger, 1986. This was probably shot in 1990. Uh, Slater says uh, B minus, decent. He goes decent. If NASA scientists got a B minus, the space shuttle wouldn't get past Cleveland. Uh, I felt that was a little too soon. Interesting. I didn't even. I did not even register that as being um, anywhere near the challenger, but it was very much, very, very much. You're right. That is very soon to be making a uh, astronaut failure joke. I just want to take a minute here, Mark Paul, to say Zach's wardrobe. I mean, really, everyone's wardrobe in this episode stood out to me as being like exceptional and colorful and the whole thing. But I, I loved pretty much everything Zach wore. <laughs> everything Zach wore in this episode, I was a big fan of. I would, I would love that shirt. Uh, that that he has on right there, that pink shirt with like the multiple yin and yangs on there. It's, it's very fun. Yeah, and uh, very '80s style to roll up the uh, the cuff of the um, of the sleeve. That was a very '80s thing to do. Um, I noticed that the cuff of my pants were not rolled. Uh, I think that'll be in uh, later episodes. The cuff had not migrated all the way south. Correct. I I, I don't remember picking this wardrobe out though. Um, I don't remember wardrobe fittings. I remember my wardrobe fittings now. Um, they're painful for me. I, I, I absolutely despise trying on clothes, which is why, you know, we've, we've, we've said this in some of our commercials for Stitch Fix, uh, why it's so nice to have clothes sent to you and not have to try them on. Um, but that, for, for me as an actor, trying on clothes, uh, that's what I feel I get paid for. I, I would act for free as long as you pay me to try on the clothes for the wardrobe. And just so that people are aware, uh, the wardrobe um, de- department, you know, they, they, they set up this look. They, they, they have specific scenes that they have to dress the actors in. And, uh, you know, they, they, they have you come in during the week before uh, this episode and they have you try on certain things to make sure things fit, um, that it fits within the, uh, the narrative of the show. And, and, uh, but to me, that is the hardest work for me to do is to, to try clothes on. I, I, I can't think of a worse thing to have to do as an actor. And I know people listening will be like, Oh, boo hoo. But honestly, like that, that tip that we all have our things. That's my thing is, is trying clothes on. So there. Okay. Well, good noted. <laughs> uh, I, I will, I will, I will note that Mark Paul. <laughs> You're welcome, Mark Paul. I want. I did want to point one thing out at the at the end of that scene when when Kelly is realizing the urgency of studying for the next test, and Zach says, "There goes my weekend if the concert doesn't happen." Something that really, really struck me when I returned to the series was, you know, when I when I interviewed you, Dashiell, when I interviewed you for the book, we talked about how when we were growing up, Zach seemed so cool. You know, when you're, when you're watching this as a kid, you just see Zach Morris is cool. And seeing it again later on, I saw so much more vulnerability and fear in him. And I'm wondering if when you see a moment like Zach, I mean, Zach is being terrible in that moment. He's not, he's not worried about Kelly at all. He's just being extremely self-serving and saying, this, this hurts me, this situation. But, but I think part of the reason you know, when people have asked me about this book, they're like, why has this show endured so much? I do think part of the reason is your performance, Mark Paul, and the whole cast bringing such likability out despite the behavior. But when you watch a moment like that, what what do you feel about Zach as a person? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, it's it's just easy to say Zach is trash because uh, Dashiell used that to, to, to such great lengths. But I was going to say, as we watch this episode, both Slater and I um, could give two shits about uh, Kelly and, uh, and 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 the things that she's going through. And it's always amazing that that you know watching it back that these that that, that it's it's there right in front of us. But I feel like as a kid, uh, and and again, I'm looking at it through the lens of a guy in his forties. But and but back then, I can see 
you know, these bright colors and the the way we looked and the music and and the little special effects things, um, that it was just, it, it covered up all that. And um, it just was meant to be fun. Uh, uh, and I think they did a good job of doing that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, and that's why, you know, Dashiell has created a show and, and why this podcast is so much fun to kind of go back to these things because we can pick these things out. But um, yeah, watching it originally, I don't think any of us picked up on any of these things. I don't think we were, uh, we were programmed to think that way back then. It's also kind of interesting because like Zach is rich, I believe. I mean, they live in the Palisades. His father is a successful computer salesman. You would think he could wrangle up a couple of George Michael tickets. <laughs> like you would like Kelly having tickets is not the only way for Zach to attend that show. It's probably at the arena, maybe the the forum at the time. Uh, so it is kind of odd he like pins all of his hopes and dreams on this weekend uh, on Kelly's free tickets specifically. Yeah, but if I bought those, if I bought the concert tickets, we wouldn't have this episode. Ah, right. If you bought them, the episode wouldn't. I for, I always forget. I always forget the episodes need to exist. And then, then they wouldn't be able to feature the pursuit of buying concert tickets to see a band like U2 at another time. Ah, yes. No spoilers, Mark Paul, but you will later be in a very complex plot to buy U2 tickets uh, much, much later. Okay, because uh, yeah, I, I have no, no recollection of, of that. Is that later, later? Like, you know, three like years way from later. now? It's like, yeah, I will, we will be... I mean, we will certainly be different people if we're still covering this by the point we get to the U2 tickets. <laughs> it's later, later. Yeah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're in the hall, and Zach is doing, um, you know, one of his classic uh, conning screech to do his bidding routines. But I just, again, Matt, I know you've you started keeping track of things as they emerge to you for your book. This is now the third Alf joke that Screech has made in ten episodes. So we're we're rocking almost a thirty percent episode rate of Screech making a joke about Alf. Uh, I just thought that was, I'm going to say interesting, but I'm also going to say. Lazy. <laughs> that feels like lazy, lazy joking to me. Uh, I would think if if you were a part of a show and one third of your episodes had a joke about Alf, you would say we we should probably correct this course. I think that's fair. If I if I had all the time in the world, I would love to go back and track everything that I possibly could, such as Alf mentions, MC Hammer mentions, Freddy Krueger mentions, all the things that only that you kind of know about, but until you really start seeing them a lot, you wish you had tracked it from the beginning. Yeah. Also, we we talked about a little bit last week about how um, product placement sort of things put into the universe um, to make a fictional world seem real. It it makes the world feel more real that there's a George Michael concert and Screech watches Alf and Freddy Krueger movie. Like all these things add layers, the pop culture references to, to give the extremely insane world of Bayside some, some grounding, but uh, just mix it up. Have Screech watch something else. I thought it was interesting that Screech says he's going to be an uncle. Oh, to the ants. <laughs> About the yeah. ant farm. Yeah. Help me understand that joke. I, I don't quite understand what, what, what that is. It, I mean, it's the, Again, this would be a thing where it doesn't make actual sense. Uh, he's just playing around with the the homonym of ants, A N T and A U N T. So ah, there and it is. Yeah, got it. It's a homonym. Got joke. it. Thank you, Dashiell. No problem. Thank you. Wow, check out Lisa's outfit too. That is a that is something. Cowboy boots. Cowboy boots. Also, speaking of wardrobe, screeches screeches use of tie dye. I found really interesting. It like comes back a few times in series that Screech wears tie-dye. Uh, I just thought it was like a, uh, an interesting choice when they talk about like nerds, as we later have the nerd fantasy sequence, that the sort of tie-dye, tie-dye look would be associated with that. I, I don't usually make that connection, but... 
Say by the Bell sure did. And Screech's room. Or is it Screech's room? It could be Jesse's room. It could be Kelly's room. I was going to say Lisa's room. Or it could be Zach's room. Yeah, I was going to say what. So this is it, we've established that Jesse and Lisa shared a room, and Kelly. Is this the same room? Well, I I, I think the proper term is that this would be a swing set. Hmm. And again, when we're looking from the audience's perspective, they would see the hallway first. To the left would be Belding's office. To the next, to the immediate left of Belding's office would be the Max. And all the way at the end, uh, if you were looking all the way at your basically nine o'clock, would be the swing set, which would be the bedrooms. So it would be either Zach's bedroom, uh, you know, week to week, or it'd be Jesse's. And so I think that, again, this was all the way to the left of our, of our soundstage. Uh, this was, a, uh, depending on, you know, the episode, um, Whose whose bedroom that would it would it would be for that uh, particular episode? So uh, the the bones are kind of you know if you look at it the the bay window with the with the door the closet um, these are all reminiscent of some of the other rooms that we've seen before. Yeah, it looks like a similar layout for sure. But I think like Jesse's to Kelly's transformation was pretty subtle. They just put a bunch of posters up. This is like a full blown. I mean, this feels like a this almost feels like a different TV show going inside of Screech's room. Um, just like the the quality of of electronics everywhere and beakers and like it, it feels like a much a different universe for sure. Meanwhile, Kevin the robot, which Screech programmed himself, is just sitting there waiting for someone to walk in, which is fascinating. Because I would wonder what does Kevin do when no one else is around and he's just standing there. Hmm. I really wish I, I I remembered how we how we controlled Kevin. Like, was that someone uh, off to the side with a remote control? Uh, you know, like how how did we do it with the voice? I, the, I I believe that was a voice actor that provided the voice of Kevin. Yeah, I I looked into it. Uh, he was a voice actor who did not do a ton beyond this, uh, but there there was a voice actor for Kevin, and I. I mean, it, it does feel like a very advanced prop um, for the time to have like a motorized, like I think now you could picture how to assemble that. But yeah, you'd need some kind of like, probably some something similar to a race, you know, like an art, an RC car kind of set up on the bottom and a remote control. Uh, but yeah, it's an, certainly an advanced prop in the production world. But in the world of Saved by the Bell, it is insanity that, <laughs> that Screech has had the time to build a real robot. Like this thing is as alive as anyone else at, at Bayside. And he hasn't told people about it. It would seem. Well, he's, he told the robot magazine. He, <laughs> he was taking pictures for Kevin for, for one of those magazines. He was hoping his friends would just see robot illustrated and that would be the way they would find out about Kevin. Yeah. Robot illustrated. That's correct. He also has eight dolls lying around. Let's talk about these dolls. Cause I think it's very important that we talk about why does he have eight dolls just laying around? that he could use for an example? I, I, I don't know. I mean, he, I, the best I could come up with in the world of the show is he really wanted to take tutoring Kelly seriously, which again was only a ruse to uh, get closer to Lisa. But I, I would imagine after school, he ran over to the doll store and said, eight please. And I, that's, the, that's the best I can do. Because any other answer is just downright peculiar why he'd have eight matching dolls. So at the end of this scene, we get the two of them kind of staring at each other. We kind of know where this is going to go. Uh, and, and Screech, you know, gentlemanly offers his hand. That is the most awkward handshake uh, I, I had seen on television um, in a long time. Yeah, it's rough. It's not good. I like that the show is willing to give them a moment, though. You know, because this scene, we actually see... Kelly responds, she says, I can't believe you went to all this trouble just for me. So I think that suggests that she assumed that Screech went out and bought the dolls and that he didn't just have them sitting around. But they they connect there. And the fact that she she kind of responds to him, she sees he, he's, he's a very responsible guy. Kevin says it's nine o'clock and immediately Screech says, it's my bedtime. You have to go now. But they, and then they have that awkward handshake. You're right. It's I can't imagine anyone watching that moment of the handshake and not feeling like that there's something in the air, which you never would have thought would exist between Kelly and Screech. I wonder what Dustin thought when he when he picked up this script and like was like, is this going to be the beginning of 
Screech and Kelly, the, the relationship fans have been clamoring for. Because uh, it, Mark Paul, I know you are not super familiar with the series, but I will, I will spoil it by saying this is the only instance uh, where Screech comes anywhere near Kelly romantically. Uh, and then it gets, it gets abandoned forever. That's a shame because I actually was rooting for them. I, I mean, watching the chemistry in that room, I thought it was, uh, I, I, I liked watching it. I thought it was an interesting choice, um, but I believed it. I thought, you know, I, throughout this entire episode, one of the things that I was taking away was um, I genuinely, I, I, I genuinely uh, believed that Kelly was having a good time. I, 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 I believed in her smile. Uh, I thought her acting was on point, uh, and and same with Dustin. I mean, I, I I think that he did a great job in this episode as well. Many moments where I thought he was going to break character, and we'll point those out coming up. Um, but that relationship between the two of them, I I, I was uh, I I was kind of drawn to it, and I I I I was actually rooting for them. I had a similar reaction too of of Tiffany's acting specifically, where I was I be, I did believe it. I, I that's an interesting use of a. The word believe. I like believed she was into Screech in a way that didn't, um, didn't, the episode didn't feel mean, if that makes sense. Like it could have been played in a different way. It was like she was genuinely into this guy. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is funny how they just, I mean, it's explained at the end of the episode. They, they realize they have nothing in common, but they, they really do abandon this, this thing, which could have been probably the most interesting creative choice uh, that Saved by the Bell made. Well, they, but, de- you know. they define the personal characteristics so well. He's intelligent. He has a great sense of humor. He's really fun to be with. That's a great summary of why she had a good time with him. Of course, Jesse and Lisa can't believe uh, Kelly's talking about Screech. But how much does that show what a great person Kelly is? That she she's, has a new crush on Screech, and she's still telling Lisa she should give him a chance. Wow, yeah. I didn't even think about that later. That's a really good point. And Lisa does the best spit take. I have ever seen. Yeah, it's that was a professional class. spit take. It's truly a just doesn't get much better than that uh, as far as spit takes go. Like her distance and her volume and the deli- it's all it's a it's a no notes uh, deal for sure on that spit take. Also, Kelly now that she had one nice study date with Screech is also wearing tie dye. It's like he passed on his tie dye uh, jeans to Kelly. Not tie dye jeans, jeans with a G. Another homonym joke, but not a joke, just another homonym. And I'm wearing an oversized shirt, or I'm just really skinny. I can't tell. There's too much shirt there, so it is over. It's like a, it, it's the right size for your body, but it is just very, very large. I still think it looks cool, though. I like all of Zach's shirts in this episode. Big Zach shirts fan in this particular ep. And I'm glad you pointed out that shirt, Mark Paul, because in the next scene, as we begin Act Two, you're wearing another <laughs> like large blue striped shirt. And Screech and Kelly are having so much fun together in the hallway. Like you said, Dashiell, in some ways, this episode feels really different from a lot of the other episodes because of the relationship that comes out of it. It's also nice to see Screech win. He's been, he gets beat down so much to have him kind of riding highs is a fun, fun energy. I truly laughed at the very end of this scene with, uh, with Zach and, and Slater watching Kel-Kel and Screechy walk off. Uh, I, I laughed because of Mario's deadpan, uh, you know, <laughs> unblinking look before he delivered Kel-Kel. Oh, man. <laughs> Mari, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. I guess he doesn't even have, he's really not in that much of this episode, huh? He's like only in that scene, and then when he, he barges in to the study date, he's not, he's not super heavily featured uh, in the action. And I think some of Kelly's sort of goofy jokes in this episode also show her connecting with Screech in a different way, too. There are a couple of times where she says some, you know, to find radioactivity. She says, changing stations until you find your favorite song. She's making sort of dorky jokes that are, I think are endearing. And, and we, that's part of the reason why I think we feel the connection between the two of them. She, we're seeing her in, an, in a way we usually don't get to. She's also learning. Like she's only able to make those jokes because she's learning about science. <laughs> also, I feel that, you know, because Zach isn't in the room sucking all the air out, we actually get to see her speak and her, her character. And, and, and you know, we, we see elements of Kelly that we don't generally get to see because Zach's not in the room. That is such a great point. And the same goes for Screech, too. Look at what happens when these people are able to just exist outside of that world with Zach. 
but we also, I think, are, are see new shades of of Zach's floundering in this episode. It's it's fascinating. What do you what do you mean by that, Matt? There are sort of there are aspects of the morality of this situation that the sh- that the episode doesn't even get into. Screech knows that Zach is interested in Kelly. There really it really doesn't come to a head between the two of them as much as it does in a, a later episode that I, I won't spoil for Mark Paul. But when there's a different <laughs> love triangle going on, that it does come to a head between them. It seems like most of Zach's, I mean, <laughs> Zach being a worried and concerned. It really is all about George Michael. It seems like, like, like the romantic prospects of Kelly are, it's there. And, you know, him and Slater busting up uh, this study date, but it, it seems like George Michael really is the, the primary concern. But it all, it's also clear. He's sort of feeling abandoned a little bit. He's Kelly shutting him out. Screech is his best friend who he doesn't even see as like an equal or someone who could have his own life and romantic possibilities either. So that drives him to sort of be conspiring with Slater. It's, it changes where Zach is able to latch onto. Uh, and Matt, are there any lies in this episode? I, I feel like we should have asked that at the top, but are, have you, did any of note stand out? They're really, I really only marked one actual lie in this episode, which is lying to Belding about Kelly and Screech getting married. And part of, mm. part of the goal of the book was to see how, did, was it that every time he was lying more, his behavior was worse? This is a rare case, I think, where there are very few lies in this episode, but Zach is still acting very badly. Well, you know who wasn't acting very badly was Screech with the uh, popcorn, the very sweet gesture of uh, pulling the popcorn out of her hair. Uh, I watched this episode with my son, my 16-year-old son, and he goes, wait, did he just pull out popcorn out of her hair? Or was, that, was he just touching her hair? I said, no, he was being sweet, and he pulled the popcorn out. He goes, oh, okay. Yeah, Because it could have been creepy. Right. I mean, un, un, unwanted or unasked for hair touching is definitely like on the list of creepy stuff. Uh, but it almost, it felt improv to me because it, like, I, it didn't, I felt like he just saw it and, and took it. Um, it felt very natural. Again, very sweet. Uh, and you get, you know, Zach falling out a window <laughs> or falling from a second story to, to cap off that scene. I also want to point out right before the, the, the falling of us uh, out the window kind of thing, but the smile on, on Kelly's face, when we talked about the, the, you know, the, the real genuine quality of it, that, that was a smile I hadn't seen her give Zach or Slater or anyone else. Uh, up until this episode, and that was a smile I think that a lot of the audience fell in love with. That 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 just the, this wholesome uh, girl that that Kelly was, and and that smile. I mean, it was just a it was a it was bright. It was it was beautiful. And of course, like look at these nerds who overheard them in the bathroom. I mean, Bayside had such a comic book version of what a nerd looks like. And Zach and Slater are only. They're upset because they say, we just lost our girl to a nerd. Right. Like, the Screech is one of their best friends. They're still defining it as, we lost our girl to a nerd. Why can't they just say, Screech, he's, he's part of this group of six? Yeah, he's one of the, he's certainly in the gang. And, like, why can't they be happy for Screech? Like, I mean, Screech is Screech. I mean, it's, a, it's a reason it becomes global news immediately. <laughs> Uh, you'd think they could just be happy for the guy. And Zach knows how much Screech wants a relationship. He's already dressed up as a woman. He he knows how much Screech wants to be with somebody. Oh, yeah, he knows his loneliness. That's a really good point, Matt. What were the nerds doing in the bathroom stalls? I need to know. Oh, right. Why were they just like full? I, so this is the second time someone's emerged from a stall, like not adjusting pants, like, like quickly left a stall, just, you know, usually there's some adjustment going on. You know, it's, you're in motion leaving a stall. Uh, that's a good point, Mark Paul. I'm I'm not sure what they were doing in there. And we have, um, as the news makes its rounds, we get. I see the background artist you're talking about the 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 brown haired rocker guy. He's your new favorite. He is. I feel like I could watch a show all about him. I would love a Say by the Bell spinoff just about just about the other kids. That would be really interesting to me. This is actually a really funny moment. I really enjoyed, but the uh, you know the, the George Bush and and Barbara Bush going Kelly and Screech and and uh, that whole little montage there got a kick out of that. Thought that was kind of highbrow. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun joke that it would it would become global news immediately. And we're at the max, and uh, Screech is super popular, getting getting swarmed. Watch Screech as he walks in. He wipes some drool from his mouth, I believe. Huh. 
I, I had never noticed that before. And it just seemed like a, such a strange way to start that scene where all the girls are about to swarm him and be so interested walking in and, and, and wiping something from his mouth. For some reason that just struck me this time. Do you, Mark Paul, you're, you were around uh, back then. Do you think that was a intentional thing or was he just wiping something from his mouth? I don't remember him being, you know, the, we've all met those people that have a little bit of spittle um, between their lips. I don't remember him being one of those kind of guys. Uh, I don't remember him being exceptionally drooly. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't quite know what he was doing there. I mean, he just may have had a, a, little, uh, a little excess uh, saliva uh, salivating to get in through that uh, Max door, thinking of all the 18 women that were waiting for him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it could almost read as like, I mean, this, I, I don't think it's this, but it could be, um, just him to show how much of a like klutzy nerdy guy he, like, he's like, he's a mess walking in and he gets swarmed like that juxtaposition. But I think he just, <laughs> I think he just at the last second touched his face. And now we're, now we're talking about it three decades later. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to see the twins had some lines right there, throwing some love to the twins. Twins had a line that day, which we learned when they were on the podcast that those were special days because they would get copies of the script and it was a it was a special day for the twins when they got a line. So also uh, monetarily, you would you would uh, get a bump in your pay for having lines that day. It's good for multiple reasons. And then we go into a group fuzzy sequence. Is this the first time we've we've gone into a group fuzzy? Oh no, we did that with the girls. They were on the bed in one of those previous episodes, right? But this is like four of us now. The rules are a little, I mean, again, we talk about rules. Um, the rules are a little fuzzy of of how it all works. But yeah, it seems like um it seems like they can pull each other into the fantasies. They can have shared it's, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 specifically. Uh, they can kind of share the dream together. And there we go. Slater is a nerd because he has a tie-dye t-shirt. I, like, I, I don't know why I'm so, so fixated on that. Like Zach's wardrobe reads nerdy to me. Uh, Slater minus suspenders and glasses, just very, very colorful. And um, I just want to point out, uh, this may be true or, or, or not, but um, uh, I was the inspiration for Leonardo DiCaprio um, when he was cast for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, is this... You think this was the, uh, this is what got him going? Well, I, I, I remember it was between him and I, and uh, his, was a, his performance was a little more nuanced and subtle, um, and they gave it to him. But, um, you know, I was, I was right up there uh, as a contender to, to, to play that, that, that role. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is, this, is a good, this is a good showcase of those abilities. <laughs> totally not true. Just throwing it out there, just in case. I don't want to offend anybody. I thought I thought you were going to say this. This was an inspiration for Inception and the idea of a group dream sequence that can't quite be explained, but you just have to kind of go with it. Yeah. So, how much of Leo's career would you like to take credit for right here and now? Because I feel like it's a good time to set the record straight. <laughs> All of it. All of it. Yeah. All of it. That makes sense. Um, I also like Kelly's pizza hat. It's just a fun little like it was like a throwaway joke, but then she's wearing it in the fantasy. I thought that was a what fun. What fun it was that day when they must have made that hat. This episode creates its own sort of internal jokes in ways that a lot of the other episodes don't, which I actually really appreciate. There's a comment made about Kelly could wear a pizza hat and it would be a fashion trend and then they do it. Zach makes the comment about, or Screech makes the comment about his tricycle from kindergarten and then Zach returns it. They actually follow through and have continuity uh, within the episode in, in ways that didn't always take place. So that's sort of unexpectedly rewarding when that has that payoff, I think. Much like Vince Gilligan and on Breaking Bad. I mean, he, he had a way of doing that as well. Um, I think we originated that, uh, that of, of having runners, they call, through an episode. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is definitely as close to Breaking Bad as the, the Saved by the Bell universe gets. <laughs> uh, but that, that's... That's so true. The usually those jokes would be throwaway jokes where Screech says something like, "The last time you did that, I wound up on a bus with two quarters going to Omaha or something." And like you never see the bus or Omaha ever again. Uh, so it is kind of nice they're they're paying that off. Also, Screech. I know Mark Paul. You mentioned Dustin breaking. 
I feel like when he comes in as Screech Bond, he is just, you, it's just the corners of the mouth, just holding everything back as best he can. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, you could watch this over and over, and it just gets funnier and funnier every, each and every time. He's looking at me, he looks over at Mario, and he just he's doing his very <laughs> best not to break character. It's, it's, I, I love these moments on, on this show. Uh, and then they cut to his face, and he's got this great look. Uh, I mean, uh, to me, this this is like, um, you know, the the things that I remember are these moments on set where we were actually having a good time, and, and it shows on screen. Yeah, and also Screech, um, he really now that we're rewatching all these, I think he gets put in the most costumes. Like, it, it uh, pretty much an episode doesn't go by without Screech being in some kind of like crazy getup. So the fact that his costume in this episode is just like, ah, he's very handsome. <laughs> he's a very handsome spy in a tuxedo. Uh, that's That's got to be a funny feeling for him too. So we got a lot of these now that we're rewatching of like, a scene will go by and it feels like Zach's plans have made 10 steps forward. <laughs> and the idea of framing Screech and Kelly for marriage is so funny to me as being like, this is what we need to do. And of course, Belding just just buys it, hook, line, and sinker. Also, Mark Paul, your sneakers look very, very white there in this scene. We've had some sneaker chatter about how white your sneakers were, and they were too dirty one episode. I feel like we've we've run the gambit here of how how dirty Zach's shoes are. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at this episode, and I didn't recognize the footwear uh, in this one. I, I, I recognize some of my other footwear being Converse, high tops, um, I think this was always like we were transitioning with the wardrobe of of Zach. I think we were trying things out, but nothing was sticking. Like this is a very preppy look in the scene. Yeah, uh, more so than some of the uh, the the previous scenes in this episode. Um, you know, the khakis with a with a button down shirt. Um, I think as the season progresses, I think we'll get more of like I, I think the wardrobe department pi- finally solidified like a look for me. And we're in Belding's office, and uh, another Belding's office scene. And this this scene has pretty much the same energy as when Jesse was talking to, with Belding about Slater dying in Aloha Slater. This kind of like two people having a conversation about different things. Uh, but it's fun. It's, you know, this time Screech gets to be the straight man, and Belding is the one like being progressively exasperated. And Belding says, I understand how kids your age might misread a close friendship as something more. He's not coming from it as you guys are dating and want to get married. He assumes they aren't even dating. (laughs) I didn't even pick up on that. That's really funny. Uh, Another Dustin breaking moment, the cantaloupe joke, which is so fun. Can't elope. This, I I guess this episode really was swinging for the fences comedically. They were taking a whole lot of wordplay and callbacks, uh, but yeah, Dustin almost cracking up at the who you calling a cantaloupe melon head. And if you listen carefully, there's someone in the audience with a belding type of laugh. Ah, there was a, you're saying like you could hear a, a fan have a belding, like, do you, but was the show airing at this point? Probably not, right? Uh, I, you're asking the wrong guy, Dashiell. Whew, okay, well, I thought I, I thought I was asking the right guy, but I, I just now realize I'm asking the guy who knows, who knows less about the show than me. Uh, something I'm still grappling with. Uh, but I wonder. There, I mean, a, 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 there is a, there is a, you know, like a his 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 signature laugh um, is, and I, I don't know if maybe this was one of those where we pre-taped this particular scene and we played it back for the audience. So Dennis was allowed, you know, like Dennis was watching it with the audience and he was laughing at himself. Oh, uh, if that he, makes sense. Whoa, that does make sense. He was like, um, it's like padding the books. It was a playback. Thing, you know, making right. sure that the joke has a good reception. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So we might be hearing, we might be hearing Mr. Belding laughing at himself. That's nuts. I don't know. It's something, you know, to, to, for the audience to, 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 discern for themselves uh, whether they think that that sounded much like uh, Dennis Haskins uh, laughing or, or or someone was mimicking him in the audience. Yeah, but, but mimicking, it's like he, if the shows hadn't, I, I was going to go someone mimicking, kind of like a fan thing, even if it's subconscious or not. But if the shows hadn't aired yet, your, your Dennis laughing at Dennis theory <laughs> is makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, it's such a distinct laugh. 
So of course, like who else? Yeah. Could, who else could it be? It's Dennis laughing at Dennis. Wow. And just to add one strange little detail in the background for this scene, Dashiell, this is something clearly you should have noticed. So I'm I'm pretty offended that you didn't point this out. Uh, okay. As Belding is trying to convince Screech not to pair up with Kelly, there's a book in the background titled "Going It Alone." I did not notice that. <laughs> That's on Belding's bookshelf of of many trophies and. In addition to other books called Before the Golden Age and seemingly From Now to Zero. So I don't I don't know what those books are about, but going it alone just seemed like it had to have been put there on purpose. That that does feel like an intentional creative choice. Uh and Mark Paul, gotta give it up to you and uh, Mario here on this this pratfall through the door. We talk a lot about safety here on uh Zack to the Future and child actors. It looked like you guys really went for it. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I went for it. If you see, I didn't put my hands in front of me, unlike Mario, who put his uh, left hand to brace his fall. I took the actual fall right to the chest. I don't know. It feels like I saw your left hand go down a little bit, Mark Paul. It feels like just a little bit of left hand went down. Yeah, but not not before uh, Mario. Okay, Mario's Mario's left hand goes down a lot. I'm going to say yours went down just a teeny tiny bit. Mark Paul, do you remember, is that is that something that you rehearsed at all, or it just sort of you show up and do it? Uh, we, we've talked about this in the past. Like if we, if we had to do a pratfall like that nowadays, we'd have a stunt coordinator on, we'd be wearing safety pads. And I'm not kidding. We would put knee pads on, we would put elbow pads on. They may, they may have a stunt double do that. Uh, and it would be in a cut. Um, these falls, and we do two of them, by the way, we, we did one on the max where we were the nerds and this one. Uh, I, I think that those were written and you, you never give them another thought. You're just like, oh, okay, we're going to be falling through the door. Uh, and, and, and nowadays, you know, if we were to do that, immediately someone would rush on set, make sure you're okay. Uh, nothing, nothing's uh, been bruised or broken. Um, and back then it was like one of those things like, okay, great, uh, cut and moving on. Um, it, it, was just, it was just another day <laughs> on the job. Uh, and, 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 and part of me still wishes it was like that because that was, you know, we're, we're kids, we're, 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 we're flexible and, and, uh, spongy and, and, you know, we can get up from things like that. Um, and it was fun for us to be honest with you. I, I always loved doing physical comedy. Um, some of the people that I looked to, uh, looked up to in comedy were, were very good at physical comedy. And, and, uh, I, 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 I just, I, I, I love that type of humor. And the tests came back uh, from science class. Slater raised his grade. Zach, not so much. Uh, but we get, th- like, the breakup between Screech and Kelly is, is sad. It's like a really sweet, sad moment. My favorite joke of this episode is the, uh, the kindergarten sand joke that, that Screech has. I really would like to know what happened in that, in that sandbox. <laughs> yeah, that... That is a very dark, vague, looming shadow over Screech's life. That something happened in kindergarten. Like, yeah, like, like what? <laughs> what went down in that sandbox? And why does he hate George Michael so much? We don't, we don't know very much about Screech's fan, pop culture fandom musically, but he's so, so opposed to George Michael, he wouldn't even go to the show for free with Kelly. Yeah, that's, that's in, I mean, talk about insanity. That is not rooted in, in mental stability at all. Like you could just sit through a concert you don't like. I mean, who cares? Also the I think the only musical funny going back to the tide, I think, the only thing I think Screech is noted as liking musically, he has a Grateful Dead shirt on uh much later in series. But I think that's the only like time I can remember him showing fandom for any kind of artist. Uh but you what's not to like about George Michael? I mean he's he's touring in support of Faith. Screech like you're nuts. Go to that show. <laughs> You know who else didn't like George Michael is, or who, who had a problem with him, is Casey Kasem, who was on the very first episode of Say by the Bell and will be on, on at least one more. Uh, when George Michael's single, I Want Your Sex, came out, Casey Kasem refused to say the name. He just would say the new song from George Michael. Uh, Casey Kasem, a big Say by the Bell guy and not a big George Michael fan. Just a teeny tiny crossover. Speaking of music, every rose has its thorn. Nope. Every ice cream cone has its last lick. I, 
I thought that was poetry. I'm not even trying to like ham it up here. I thought that was, re- that was a really beautiful sentiment. <laughs> Can you imagine if we just replaced the lyrics of every rose has its thorn with every ice cream cone has its last lick? <laughs> yeah, that would be a, I mean, that would be a, it would be a different song for sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we could ever rewrite the lyrics for Poison. I mean, clearly Brett Michaels is a genius, uh, but that's such a mature moment for Screech, isn't it? Can you believe that? We all we know about Screech up to this point is how much he wants a relationship, and then all this happens with Kelly. It disintegrates, and in the moment where she's upset, he has the presence of mind to say. You know, to have that perspective on the relationship is just unbelievable. Not to mention doing his Humphrey Bogart impression and saying, we'll always have science. And again, he does that little thing with his hand. I, he gra- I thought he was about to grab her head and go in for a real kiss, but he just puts his hand kind of, I think, on her shoulder and gives her a nice, sweet little kiss on the cheek. Uh, it was a very mature moment from, from Screech that we hadn't seen before. You really do feel for you feel Kelly's like heartbreak in this moment. It's like as as mature as Screeches, Kelly's. I mean, if I'm Kelly Kapowski in this moment, I this would send my head spinning around in circles that I just got essentially dumped by Screech. <laughs> and then we pan and we see uh, Zach and Slater. And I had this vision. I had I had to Google it. Like, where have I seen this before? And it reminded me of these like vultures. Or the, the the magpies or the crows from from my era of cartoons, which you know, thankfully they don't play anymore because uh, they were uh, deplorable sometimes. But Heckle and Jekyll, the two crows, the um, or the or the magpies, uh, look those up, and that that's what that that sort of shot of uh, Zach and Slater reminded me of, like these two guys just ready to pounce. You know, and Zach says rebound, and it's like again we've talked about how uh, shitty Zach can be. It's like screw her feelings. Uh, you know, let, let, let's go in there now. Let's. This is our opportunity to to, to our opening. Yeah, he. I mean, he definitely seizes the moment. It also has some kind of um, a little bit. Of, now that we're looking at the shot, kind of night at the Roxbury energy of like the two guys uh, bouncing the the uninterested lady between them. Those are extraordinary comparisons. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. We're evolving. We're 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 seeing the light. Yeah, uh, you know, the show is not the only thing that's a work in progress around here. Um, but yeah, Zach and Slater are going to go together. They're front row tickets. You can't let those go to waste. He's touring in support of Faith. Come on, the tour that made him rethink his millions of teenage fans. And that's the episode. That's Beauty and the Screech. And that that ending, I think, is such a good example of why I wanted to wrestle with sort of the enduring nature of the show and the Zach character, because we see Zach's desperation in this episode. I think we, we get glimpses of, of his struggles, but he doesn't have any consequences. Kelly is not upset at him permanently. Screech is not upset at Zach trying to sabotage the relationship. And ultimately Zach still gets to go to the concert. No consequences whatsoever. Yeah. Everything works out. (laughs) Everything works out for, uh, for Zach Morris. Hey, Guys, don't hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs> yeah, just to saying that to like the two Zach Morris truthers <laughs> out there. Um, well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us and uh, some illuminating insight uh, on both the show and Zach Morris, the character, and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Mark, Paul, and Dashiell. So much fun. I, I just so appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure, Matt. Please give another plug for your book and let people know how they can get it. Yeah, Zach Morris Live 329 times. It is available in paperback, available in ebook. You can get it through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, all over the internet. So check it out. Definitely, it's meant to be a celebration of the show, first and foremost, from a longtime fan. Uh, I spent a long time as a critic uh, for the Chicago Tribune's Red Eye, uh, but this was something that I just did because I thought it would be really fun. And, and it really was. So it's, it's incredible to talk to you guys about it. And I definitely think people will uh, get a kick out of the book. Thank you, Matt. I, I, I hope that we can have you back on the show again uh, in the future. Uh, love to have your insight. You know, you always have an open door. Anytime you want to come on, please uh, reach out to us. I love that. Thanks so much. And if you write another book, I'm happy to, to do another interview. My schedule is, it's a little jammed up here and there, but I'm, I, can, I can make the time, Matt. 
Uh, and speaking of making time, great transition, there's more homework for next week because there's homework every week on Zach to the Future. It is an episode called The Friendship Business. Mark Paul, shot in the dark, wild, wild guess. What could that be about? Well, you said friendship. I remember there being something called buddy bands and, ah. and friendship bracelets. Ah. Uh, is this, is this, am I, am I going down a right path here? You Have are, I chosen wisely? You have chosen, you have just the wisest choice. You are, the path you are on is the correct one. You are not cold. You are red hot. You're jackpot. Finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every win in 2020, you gotta you gotta put it on the scoreboard and hold on for dear life. I'll take it. So this is gonna be about buddy bands. I I, I love it. Yeah, this is about buddy bands. Absolutely, it's about buddy bands. It's about a small business. It's about friendship. It's really all the things the title says it delivers on. Uh, so please, Mark Paul and listeners, do the homework. And thank you again, Matt Pace. And we will see you next week. Zach to the Future is a production of Cadence 13. It's executive produced by Mark Paul Gosler, myself, and Chris Corcoran. Production and direction led by Terrence Malangone. Editing and mastering by Andy Jaskowitz. Engineering and production coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork by Kurt Courtney with illustrations by Jeff McCarthy. Marketing is led by Josephina Francis with PR by Hilary Shoof. Thanks to the whole team at Canes 13 and to you for listening. <laughs>